Well, praise the Lord, everybody. This is Brother J.W. Brand here at God's Whole Word. Amen. It's good to be with you on this Friday. And it's kind of late, uh, later than what I'm usually doing. I uh, had some things I had to go do. I had to get my hair cut before our worship service tomorrow. And just kind of running behind here. But um, uh, we're finally here. Amen. And so... Uh, just uh, want to tell you that uh, it's a, a great thing to serve God. It's a great and wonderful thing uh, to know the Lord. I'm glad that uh, we have an opportunity to know Him and to know Him in the power of His resurrection and to know Him and His Word. You see, His Word guides us. His Word leads us on and and the bible tells us that god has got everything that we need for life and godliness and uh we we find that uh, i'm going to turn there for a moment i believe that's uh, first uh, peter and uh chapters oh let's see maybe that's i'm gonna try to find that really quick and uh All right. Yeah, actually, it's Second Peter, not First Peter. It's Second Peter. You'd think as many times as I repeated that I'd have it memorized, whether it's First or Second Peter. But it is Second Peter, and it's uh, verse uh, three. It's chapter one and verse three, and it says, "According as his." Well, let's go up to verse two. It says, "Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God, and of Jesus, our, uh, of Jesus our Lord." So, peace and grace is multiplied to us through the knowledge of God, through the knowledge of Jesus our Lord. In other words, the more that you get to know the Lord Jesus, the more that you get to know this God that we serve, the Lord will multiply grace and peace to you. Hallelujah! And to me, that's a wonderful thing to know. And that is the reason why that we study the Word of God. Because... The more that we know, the greater it's going to be for us. And then in verse 3 it says, According as his divine power hath given unto us all things. God has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him, there it is again, of him that have called us unto glory and virtue. So the more that we get to know the Lord, Grace and peace is multiplied to us. And according to his divine power, he's given us everything that we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him that's called us to glory and virtue. The more that we get to know the Lord, the more that you get to uh, know about God and what God stands for, God will begin to open up our eyes and of understanding and our, our, our ears to hear the Spirit of God speak to us to give us everything that we need in this life and for this life and for a godly way of living. That's a wonderful thing to know. That's absolutely wonderful to, thing to know. And it says uh, uh, that through the knowledge of him that hath called us unto glory and virtue, God has called us to a glorious life full of goodness. Isn't that wonderful? And so 
Proverbs 16, we've been talking about the things that God hates. Now, if the knowledge of God, the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to bring us uh, some of these wonderful things that we've just heard out of Second Peter and verses one, uh, two, two and three, verses two and three. Then we've got to know about some things that might be a little uncomfortable to know. You know, because when I say to you, "Well, we're going to look into the things that God hates." Well, now before we went into that. We were looking at other things. We were uh, contemplating other things in God's word before we got to studying about the things that God hates. And so we want to take uh, a, a, an inventory of all the things that God uh, has to say to us about who he is and, and about what he stands for. And so we can't leave this part out. Now, there's a lot of folks, they don't want to talk about the things that God hates. uh, 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 uh. No, 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 no. There is some folks out there, I'm going to tell you what, if you tell them that there's some things that God hates, even if a person claimed to be a Christian, they're going to tell you, I think that's just a misinterpretation. I don't think God hates anything. God just loves everything. Well, if God loves everything, then are you telling me it's okay for people to run around murdering people? Hmm? Now, that's not true. And, and, and that's what we've been talking about. It's the things that God hates. And we've gotten on to, uh, uh, you know, we've talked about a proud look, which we went into all that about pride. And then we talked about the lying tongue. And we went into all that about the lying tongue. That, you know, I'm sure there's many more things we could touch on. But we did the best that we could in, in, in really um, uh, looking deeply into that lying tongue. And now we're talking about hands that shed innocent blood. Now, God has spoken against murder. Yes, he has. God has spoken against the taking of a life. God doesn't want us to purposely be turning around and killing people. You just got a mind, you want them out of your way, and then you won't just turn around and kill them. Well, God don't like that. Matter of fact, God hates it. God don't want you doing that. Because anything that stands against God's way uh, is, is going to be absolutely understood in God's word as something that God hates. You see, because God is a holy God. You, you, you can't get away from the fact that God <laughs> is a holy God. We've got to respect the Lord as a holy God. You know, I mean, so many times when I go to prayer, I have my morning time prayer, you know, and sometimes when I enter into the presence of the Lord and I, I just get overwhelmed by the fact that the God that I am bowing to and praying to, that he's holy, and that for whatever reason that makes no sense to any, really should not make any sense to any human, being, any human mind, 
as to why God would want to have anything to do with us human beings. You know, and I, I, I get to thinking about, you say, well, why is that? I mean, there's some, you know, nice people and all that kind of thing. But when you really look at how holy God is, it really doesn't make any sense as to why God would want to have a relationship with us and to love us so much that he's willing to die for us. That's just astounding to me. And, and, and you know, sometimes when I'm got myself down on you know, my knees praying and I, and it just like completely overwhelms me when I look back over the life that I lived, how ungodly and unholy that I lived for so long and just living in defiance and disobedience to God for so long and to think of the the mercy and the long-suffering and the patience of God is just mind-boggling. I mean, we don't deserve His goodness, not a one of us. And let me explain to you a little something here about what we're looking at now. Hands that shed innocent blood. The Bible says this is the third thing on the list that God is uh, speaking through the mouth of Solomon of the things that God hates. Third thing on the list. Hands that shed innocent blood. Do you know that every one of us, every one of us, are responsible for shedding the blood of an innocent life. Now, before we go any further, I, I do want to go into prayer to the Lord. I don't want to um, get into the Word of God any further and talk any further without the Lord leading us. And so I, I want to go to God. Dear Lord, I thank you for your kindness and your mercy, your love, your goodness, your patience, your long-suffering. It's just a wonderful thing to know you, Lord. And I ask you, Lord, as we study your word and we look into this thing that you say you hate, the shedding of innocent blood, my God, help us to understand the depths of what you're saying. In Jesus' name, amen. And so as I was saying, we are all, every one of us, responsible for putting Jesus Christ on the cross. And Jesus was innocent. He didn't deserve to be on that cross. And yet, we are all responsible of shedding innocent blood, every single person. Even if you never shed innocent blood yourself, you know, you know I've never killed anybody. You know, y'all know what I mean? I mean, and, and, and a lot of folks... Uh, you know, can say the same thing. Well, I never killed nobody, so I'm not guilty of that. But we're all guilty of shedding innocent blood because our sin put Jesus Christ on that cross. We all have a part to play in that. And even if we were the only one, even if there were only one person left on this earth, only one person, that person would be responsible for putting Jesus Christ on that cross. 
because sin separates us from God, and sin had to, uh, it, it, it literally had to be uh, something that was, um, well, for no other way of putting it, a price had to pay, be paid. A price had to be paid. I, I, you know, I was um, driving down the road going to get my hair cut today, and I remember a song that we used to sing a long time ago, long time ago in the Pentecostal church. And uh, I think I even said these words before, but I think I have to, I kind of have to sing it to remember it. I'm not trying to, I ain't doing no debut here, all right? But uh, it says something like, He paid a debt. He did not owe, I owed a debt, I could not pay, I needed someone to wash my sins away, and now I sing a brand new song, amazing grace, Christ Jesus paid a debt that I could never pay, and that is the truth. Jesus Christ paid a debt that not a one of us could ever pay. But we all owed the debt. Every one of us owed. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you for your mercy, Lord. We all owe that debt. Every one of us. And Jesus made a way for us so that we would not be guilty of shedding innocent blood, even though we all are guilty of it. For putting him on the cross because of our sin. Each and every one of us have sinned. No one can say that they've not sinned. And if you do say that, you're a liar. The Bible says that all have come, sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every last one of us have been down that road. We've either lied we've, or stole something or we, or we, you know, one thing or another. You know, if you, and we've talked about lying, we ran into a really, really in-depth uh, study about that because it's one of, the, one of the things that God hates. So we went and we had a lot of podcasts about that part of the things that God hates as a part of a lying tongue. And we went into such depth over it. And when you think about things, some things we just, we just don't realize how quick it is that we may lie, things that we just don't even really think about we just do it and we just say things and 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 then afterwards we realize well that wasn't truthful you know some people uh they think that it's no big deal if they tell somebody that they're 35 when they're really 45 you know i mean things like that and they say oh that's just a little innocent thing no no lie is innocent not one lie is innocent and so, you know, we can't tell ourselves the lie that we are free of shedding innocent blood because not any human being on the face of this earth can actually say that with truth coming out of their mouth. Now, some people, they may not realize that, that they're responsible for, for putting Jesus Christ on the cross. They may not think uh, anything about their sin. A lot of people don't. But let's think about this for a minute because I read a, an article a couple of days ago. It said we finally hit that 8 billion mark on the earth. 
8 billion people on this earth living now. But that's those that are living right now. 8 billion people that we finally hit that mark. That's amazing. But think about this. They say, with all the calculations that so many have been able to do, I don't really know how they do all that. I'm not very good at math. But, uh, you know, some people with the, you know, their intelligence that they got going on, and there's been people that have been able to calculate things, and they say, you know, there was probably approximately about that many people that are on the earth now. At that point when they said that, there was about seven and a half billion people on the earth. And they said there were about that many probably uh, when uh, the, the days of Noah uh, were um, being played out when Noah was preaching to people and telling them that they needed to repent and that, uh, you know, that the Lord was going to send rain and there was an ark that was prepared in order for people to get in there and to be saved. Now, a lot of people will go into all kinds of things trying to dissuade the story, trying to just, you know, remove themselves from the responsibility of what's being said to them. Nobody really wants to hear, look, you're a sinner, you need to repent. Nobody really wants to hear that. I mean, honestly. But the fact is that we need to hear it. We need to hear, if we've not repented of our sins, we need to hear, you're a sinner and you need to repent. Now, I tell people in no uncertain terms, once you have made that um, declaration, in truth to God. When you made that declaration in truth to the Lord, and you say, Lord, I repent of my sins, and you mean that from the depths of your soul, you tell God with no, no uncertainty in your heart, Lord, I truly repent of my sins. In other words, I am willing right now, Lord, to completely turn around and go the other way towards you. I, I'm sorry for everything I've done. I feel pricked in my heart for all of the things that I've done. I feel the guilt uh, weighing heavy on me, Lord, so forgive me. Now, see, that's another thing. A lot of people think, oh, I don't want to feel guilty. Well, of course you don't. But you better get to feeling guilty because it's what's going to lead you to repentance. Every one of us uh, have to be able to feel guilty for our sins in order for us to turn around and repent. Now, you find that played out in the book of Acts in chapter 2. And, and, and you read that, read verse 36, because they were pricked in their hearts and they said, men and brethren, what should we do? When they were given the message that they had put Jesus Christ on the cross. And that they were guilty of it. You can read chapter 2 where Peter uh, began to tell all of the people that came running because they heard the Holy Ghost call come falling down and, and it was a loud rushing wind like a, you know, that's a, that's a mighty, mighty noise, I'll tell you. Have you ever been near a tornado? Have you been near a hurricane wind? Have you ever been near any kind of uh, really powerful winds? I've been there, done that one. And I'll tell you, it can be noisy. It can be an, an astounding noise. And, and, and that's what happened on the day of Pentecost in chapter 2. And you, the Holy Ghost fell and people heard this, rush, this noise like a rushing mighty wind. And people went running and they went towards the noise. And when they got there, they see people speaking in tongues. All of these people speaking in tongues as God gave the utterance. 
and they could hear them glorifying God in the tongues that they represented, all these different folks in there. And they said, what is this? And Peter began to explain. Now, some of them thought they were drunk, but I ain't never heard of nobody. Have you? I ain't never heard of nobody get drunk and, and never known how to speak another language. And then all of a sudden, because they're drunk, they can speak another language. That's a bunch of stupid nonsense. Now, I know some people don't like me using the word stupid, but do you know the Bible uses it? I ain't the only one who uses it. The Bible uses it. Now, I ain't got time to get into all that. But I sure will, because this is God's whole word. We'll talk about that sometime. Some people say, oh, the Bible don't say that. Yeah, it does, too. Now, let me say something to you. When those people heard Peter begin to preach to them and tell them that they were responsible for putting Jesus Christ on the cross, they were responsible for his death, they became pricked in their hearts. When you look at that word, it means that it began to do something on the inside of them, inside of their soul, and deep in the depths of their soul. They felt a guilt take over them of what they had done to Jesus because Jesus was innocent, and it was innocent blood that was being shed. Every one of us play a part in that. So we're all guilty of this one. We truly are. Hands that shed innocent blood. You say, well, it just seems like we're all doomed. <laughs> well, we are. But here's the thing. The Lord made a way in order for us to escape the doom. Y'all understand what I'm saying? I mean, what a good God. I mean, we have taken the Son of the living God and nailed him to the cross, and God's going to make a way to help us out. What a wonderful God. Thank you, Jesus. We've got to repent of our sins and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and, and let him know, Lord, I'm sorry for what I did that nailed you to the cross. I'm sorry that you went through the suffering you did because of me, because of what I did, what I've said, what I've done that was against your way of holiness. And Lord, help me, forgive me, and help me, Lord. Give me that Holy Ghost like you said you're going to do. Uh, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 39, the promise is for everybody. So Lord, give that Holy Ghost to me to give me the strength and the power because you said in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 that we will be uh, given power from on high. And, 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 and that power will help us to be a witness for you. And the Lord will do exactly those things. He certainly will. Now, you got a lot of people out there, they're telling lies, and they're saying the Holy Ghost ain't no longer available. I'm telling you, that's a flat-out lie. The Holy Ghost is still... Hallelujah! Glory to God! The Holy Ghost is still available to everybody. Amen. But you know what the book of Acts said in chapter 5 and verse 32? He said to give the Holy Ghost to those that obey Him. you got to be willing to obey and repent. you you got to be willing to say, Lord, I'm sorry for my sin you got to acknowledge that you're a sinner. Now, here's the thing. Once you've done that, once you've repented of your sins and you turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and you begin to obey what his word says, because then it tells you, repent, and then it says, be baptized every one of you, right there in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Repent and be baptized every one of you. Every one of you. Ain't nobody left out of that. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, you're supposed to be baptized in Jesus' name. That's what it says. Every one of you. Nobody's left out of that. 
and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You do your part, God's going to do his part. Amen. That's what the Lord wants to do for you. He wants to, he wants to wipe your slate clean. You, you, you are guilty of shedding of innocent blood. I am guilty of shedding of innocent blood. But guess what? My guilt and, and all that I did, it's been wiped off because when the Lord uh, said that I, uh, with my repentance, that I would be forgiven, God forgave me. And God, with your repentance, he can forgive you. And, and you uh, are baptized, the Bible says, in Jesus' name for the remission of your sin. It's going to wipe it out. Remit means it's going to remove it. It's going to take it off your record. Amen and hallelujah. And then God said, you obey those things. And God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. Now, I'll tell you, there's some folks have been uh, filled with the Holy Ghost before they were even baptized in Jesus' name. But no one, you better hear me now, no one, not nobody. You hear what I say, nobody. Amen, hallelujah. Ain't nobody ever received the Holy Ghost without repenting. That's not going to happen. You've got to repent of your sins. You've got to be willing to turn around. And if you're not willing to admit that you are guilty of shedding of innocent blood, you're not going to sit there and tell me you've been baptized with no Holy Ghost. No, God's not going to do that because you're going to have to repent of your sins. And you certainly, we all are. I'm not pointing my finger at you that I ain't got like a bunch of fingers pointing back at me. Because every one of us have been guilty of that sin of putting Jesus on the cross. Now here's the thing. Just as God forgave me, if you repent, God will forgive you. And there have been folks that, you know, God reads the heart. He sees that they, they meant what they said. I received the Holy Ghost before I was baptized in Jesus' name. But I'll tell you what, when I got baptized in Jesus' name, it was something I never forgot. Oh, no, I, I still to this day remember the date. I was baptized on February, February 8th, I believe it was. And I know it was a Sunday. Oh, yes, and I know it was in February. And, and it may have been February 16th. But anyway, but I remember that day. Ooh, my word. I remember getting in that baptismal tank. I remember going down it. I remember him saying to me, because you've, the preacher saying to me, because you've repented of your sins and, he, and you've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. And he said, I baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And, I, and he put me under. And boy, I'll tell you what, when I come out, out of that water, I come flying up out of that water, I begin to shout and dance and speak in tongues right there in that water. And I'll tell you what, the Holy Ghost just overshadowed me all over again. Hallelujah. And God wants to fill you with that Holy Ghost. God wants you to know that He wants to forgive you. But you've got to be willing to do your part. Now, before I sign off here, because this is not going to be a real long podcast today, and we're going to keep on talking about the shedding of innocent blood, but I want to get that part out of the way. Because some people say, well, okay, I get that God hates the shedding of innocent blood, but I ain't never done it. No, we've all done that one. Every last one of us. Because we all put Jesus Christ on the cross and he was innocent. He was absolutely innocent. There was no sin that he ever committed. There was no guile found in his mouth. Guile is translated trickery. Jesus ain't going to trick you. 
Oh, no, he's not. Now, you got some people that will say that kind of thing. They, they, will, they will speak against Jesus. They will speak against Jesus' people. They will, you know, and the devil wants to do that. But I'm here to tell you, I'm here to testify to you. Look, I've been living for the Lord for a good long while now, and I, I know that Jesus is not one to trick you. Amen. He loves you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to take the weight of sin off of your shoulder that you're carrying around. And and you see, it's not just the shedding of innocent blood. I mean, all of us have committed other sins as well. And, and whatever it is, those things, sin, it weighs us down. It literally weighs us down. And there's a weight that is lifted off of us when we repent. You know, a lot of people, they'll tell you they feel like a weight was lifted off of them when they repent because it's true. God takes that heaviness. You know, he said that... that uh, uh, he will uh, make our burden light, you know, and, and, and Jesus will take all of those those heavy things. Now, certainly we should never be carrying our sin around with us again, but I'm saying that, you know, all our sin of the past that we've repented of, that should be in the past. And, uh, you know, but the Lord, he wants us to know that he's there to help carry any burdens that we may acquire along the way. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, there's different things in life that come that can be a burden to us. You know, sometimes it might be health issues. Sometimes it might be financial issues. It might be maybe things going on in our family or with our children or our parents or whatever the case may be. It may be a burden that we've got to carry that's not always easy to do. And the Lord will help us out. He's there. The Bible said, never leave us and never forsake us. He's not going to do that. But we got to be willing to trust him because sometimes when we're walking through a dark valley, oh my goodness, and you can't see your way, you got to keep holding on. Hallelujah. Thank you. Glory to God. You got to keep, hallelujah. Glory to God. You got to keep holding on to Jesus' hand. Yes, you do. Now, he won't let you go. And you may... I mean, the areas that some of us have to walk sometimes when, you know, we're walking by faith, it's just so dark. You can't see. You don't, you honestly, it's like, I don't know from one day to the next what is going to happen next. But you got to keep holding on to Jesus' hand. There's a song that we sing in church, uh, in our worship service, that is, uh, every so often, to hold on to God's hand. You got to hold to God's unchanging hand. Because God's hand, it doesn't change. He'll lead us even when we can't see where we're going as long as we hold on to his hand. You got to hold to God's unchanging hand. You gotta hold to God's unchanging hand. And listen to this part of the song. You gotta build your life on things that are eternal. You've got to hold on to God's unchanging hand. Because that means we can depend on Him. We can depend on God if we just hold on to His hand. Now, can you imagine? Even though we nailed Him to the cross, the Lord is going to forgive us and carry us through. 
That's a really loving God. My, 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 my. What a good God we serve. Now, before we sign off, I do want to say a couple things because I know there's people sometimes, they hear me saying things and talking about things, and uh, some people just, you know, they get bent out of shape about things that you say, especially if you're real blunt and to the point about things. Or you say things that people just, um, you know, they're uncomfortable with. Or they just, uh, they don't necessarily care to have to deal with uh, in facing their feelings and emotions or what have you concerning certain things. And uh, when we started talking about the shedding of innocent blood and being one of those things that God hates on this uh, last podcast that we had, which was uh, this past Tuesday, I made mention about uh, a story, a true story, about a woman a few months ago, a mother, uh, had been driving down the freeway, and and for whatever reason, she, uh, at, at first, uh, you know, she did not purposely try to cut the person off. I guess he was trying to get off the freeway or something, but whatever the situation was, um, it made him angry because he couldn't... Uh, you know, make the turn, I guess, because she had somehow blocked him. But she wasn't like it in the beginning, wasn't purposely trying to block anybody. It just happened. When you get on the freeways of Houston, Texas, you'd understand what I mean. Sometimes you just can't make your turn. I mean, it, it just depends on the traffic and how crazy people are driving. But um, anyway, and what happened was it made the man mad, and I guess he drove up near her, and she got upset at him reacting to her and he was i guess not being kind and not being nice well what she did was she uh used it a hand gesture and that's all i'm gonna say about that y'all know what i'm talking about there's a hand gesture that people do and you shouldn't be doing that and so i mentioned that story and i talked about that for a little bit and i and at one point i said because what happened was when she did that, that angered that person all the more that was in the other car. And that person eventually pulled out a gun and shot into her car. And she had her, uh, I believe her child was like six years old in the back seat. And that bullet went through the back of the car and shot that child, hit that child, and killed that child. Now, and then, of course, she pulled off the freeway realizing what happened and and it made the news because she literally had taken her child out of the, um, you know, the car seat or whatever and was literally holding the child that had been shot, you know, screaming and crying and and all of those things. And, and, and I want to tell you, my heart did go out to her when I heard the story. I mean, it's a sad thing. But I did say something and I'm not going to back down on what I said, that sometimes things I say frustrate people because they feel like that everything that is said should be sweet and dripping with honey. And that's not the reality of the way we need to be looking at things because we've got to realize our responsibility in some things. 
And when you get to talking to people about their responsibility that they hold in certain things, it can make people really bent out of shape in this day and age. They get really, really upset. They don't, they don't like, uh, so many people nowadays don't like to be told that they got to be responsible for certain actions that they take. And so I happened to mention, and I said, and I will still say, I stand by what I said, that the man who shot that child and killed that child is not the only one that holds some responsibility. Now, certainly, uh, he holds the brunt of the responsibility. He killed that child. He murdered that child. And he shed innocent blood. And so, as I said, and I hold to what I said about that as well. I said, you know, there are, he should either spend the rest of his life in jail or, as there are on the Texas law books, there's, uh, you know, um, they execute people here in Texas. And, uh, you know, if that's what the law sees fit. Now, that alone bothers some people when I talk like that. Now, I didn't say, oh, I think that, you know, that's what y'all do. I just said that's one of those things on the law books that could be done. But I do believe it's a life for a life. So if he's got to spend the rest of his life in jail, you know, other people got something to say about that because they say, well, the taxpayers are paying. So, well, the taxpayers are paying to put somebody to death as well, which is quite expensive if you look at all of the uh, things that go on with that. So, but, you know, what I really think ought to be done is to let him spend the rest of his life in jail. Because that way he's got time to think and he's got time to turn around and repent of shedding innocent blood. Now, even that will irritate some people because they say, well, why are you going to talk about uh, that murderer, uh, you know, being able to have a chance to repent? Because we've all been guilty of shedding of innocent blood. Nobody's left out of that. We've all done it. We put Jesus on the cross, so every one of us is responsible. So you need to get out, get over it, sit down, and listen, or, or just you know why? Why are you gonna have something to say when you you because you don't want to be responsible? You don't want to hold to the responsibility that's yours. And and you say, well, you're always talking to us and not listen. I already said that I hold my own guilt to that. I'm not leaving myself out. I never said I left myself out. Matter of fact, I said, look, we've all been guilty of putting Jesus Christ on the cross. Did you not hear me say that? That includes me. And so when I said that that man was not the only one that held responsibility for that child dying, that child's shedding of innocent blood. And I said the mother holds part of the responsibility. Now, that don't go over well with people. They don't like that. You know, the mother, she's in her grief and all that. Now, I know it's been a while. I wouldn't have said anything of the sort on this podcast had it been like last week. I wouldn't have done that because I realized the mother she's been a time in grief, and it's been several months ago. You say, well, people can grieve, uh, you know, for a long time. I know that myself. I have a son that died that is not even not even a year yet. And, 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 and there are people that hold responsibility for my son's death. And I don't know to this day that they're being held accountable for it. But listen, 
there's other people that can hold some responsibility to that. And because I said the mother holds part of the responsibility because she shouldn't have never used that hand gesture. Now, some people get mad about that. They get angry about that because that's a well, and that's no reason for somebody to shoot nobody. I didn't say it was a reason. Did you hear me say that? I never said that. I did not say that. What I said was your responsibility because you don't know what you're dealing with when you get out into the world on a daily basis. You don't know who is next to you. In the stores, you don't know who is next to you when you're driving down the freeway. You don't know who's got a gun and who don't. And so, here's the thing. She still holds responsibility as well. Now, I'm not saying she should go to jail because she made a hand gesture to him and that escalated his anger. His anger, he's got to be responsible for that. That's his own doing. I'm not making no excuses for him whatsoever. Like I said, I think the man should spend the rest of his life in jail. So he can sit and think about what he did. But, listen. When you look at it in all of its context, because you got to look at every little detail here. Let me explain to you to the depths of what I meant by that. Because if she had not made that hand gesture and the person still shot into that car because they were angry that they couldn't get off the freeway, then she would have no feeling of guilt for having purposely made a hand gesture. That would not be there. That, that thought would never enter her mind. And, 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 you know, and I'm not saying that it, it has entered her mind, but I got a feeling that it might have. You know, she may have said, I mean, how many people... When, when a relative dies or something, and we say, well, if I would have done this, or if I would have, if I would have just done this, then they would have done this, and they never would have been, um, you know, the situation never would have been what it was. You know, I've heard those stories before, where people have been killed, and, you know, uh, and, and people try to rationalize, and they try to say, okay, well, if I hadn't done this, or if I would have done this, then they wouldn't have been here at this time, or whatever. I mean, you hear it a lot. And people already carry those burdens of guilt. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's automatic. And so, I said that she holds responsibility in that for her own actions responsibility for her own actions now i'm not saying that you know her accidentally cutting him off was, was sometimes you get on the freeway and it's like you can't you can't get over like you need to or you can't you know and so that you know i'm not saying that was her fault but when you make hand gestures to people that you know are derogatory you don't know who it is in that next car what type of behavior 
that they are going to exhibit to you. You don't know what's going to happen from one moment to the next. And if she had not made that hand gesture, then she's not going to have that responsibility flowing through her mind as I know it very well could. Absolutely. And so when I said what I did, I believe what I said, and I still do, and I will. That part of that could have exacerbated the situation to the point of, look, he's already furiously angry, obviously, because he couldn't get off the freeway, which was not her fault from all accounts of what is known. But then it was an admittance on her part of, you know, she made this hand gesture because she was irritated with their reaction. Well, that seemed to preceded the person into another frame of mind, making them all the more angry. Now, is the person responsible for their own anger issues and all? Absolutely. I'm not blaming her for his uh, his problems and his uh, you know his own anger issues. What I'm saying is, you hold responsible uh, responsibility when you behave in a manner that would be, and I know people ain't gonna like to hear it, in where the devil's camp is. You see, a person that repents of their sins. And, and they have a mind to want to walk with God and want to serve God, you're going to begin to learn how to assimilate yourself in this life. Like we read in Second Peter, verses 2 and 3, God gives us everything for life and godliness. How to live a godly life. Okay? So if you're not living like you ought to, for one reason or another, as the Lord wants you to live. See, if she had been um, in a frame of mind to not respond with a hand gesture, could it have made him, just because he accidentally was not able to get off the freeway, could he have still went into his rage? He could have, yes. He very well could have. I'm not saying he that, that he wouldn't. He could have. I mean, uh, he could have been going down the road past her and, and making gestures to her, and she keeps her eyes straight on the road and not looking at him. That might have made him angry too. That can very well be true. But what cannot be true, what can never be true, what will never, ever, ever, ever be true, is that when you respond in a manner that is ungodly and unholy, you cannot say that you don't hold responsibility in whatever the outcome might be because of what you yourself are responsible for. You have to hold responsibility. Now, with that said... I never said that the woman should go to jail. I never said the mother should go to jail. I just said she holds some responsibility. What I think is that she probably has thought about these things herself. If I had not have made that hand gesture to him, maybe he wouldn't have got so angry and shot into my car. 
And some people are so bothered about having to deal with responsibility and so bothered, so troubled in their soul about having to feel any guilt about anything that we've done. Like, we don't have to feel guilty over nothing. Well, that's the problem that we've got in this world. You see, the people on the day of Pentecost, they got past that. They allowed that guilt of what they had done that proceeded and caused Jesus to be nailed to the cross. They allowed that guilt to give the response that was needed, which was, men and brethren, what should we do? And so even though that mother may hold some responsibility here because of her actions, and, and, and it very well could be that uh, even if she had not done that, she might not hold that responsibility, you know, as far as that goes. Because uh, she, she would just say, I'm just, I was just going down the road and this guy just shot into my car and killed my child. She doesn't have to hold that guilt in, 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 at all because she didn't, uh, wouldn't have made a certain hand gesture or whatever. Well, listen. When you begin to have the knowledge of Jesus Christ, as we read, the more that you know about the Lord, the more that you're going to understand what things pertain to life and godliness, which means living a godly life. And you're going to begin to learn how to remove yourself from those types of behaviors and actions that could very well stir up somebody's anger. And you say, well, they're responsible. I, I get all that. But you, you know, some people act like their actions are never the reason for somebody else uh, somebody else's problem. Well, I get that to a certain point, but what I uh, do not at all believe for one second is that you don't hold no responsibility for your actions you certainly do we all do we all have to get to the place where we accept responsibility for our own behaviors and what we've done do you know how many times that people go to court y'all know how many times people go to court and they'll say well they shouldn't be responsible for this or that or the other because they had this trouble and that trouble. And always passing the buck down instead of saying, look, you're responsible for what you did. Now, where did that come from? Where did that come from? Hmm? I'll tell you where it came from. It came from the enemy. Satan does not want us to feel guilty for our sins. Satan does not want us to feel guilty for the things that we've done that we should not have done. You see. Because what happens is, if we get that kind of mindset, then he will be able to get people's mind geared so far that when we're faced with the fact that we are responsible for putting Jesus Christ on the cross, we will never face that responsibility and we will never accept any guilt for it whatsoever. So that is what the enemy is working towards when he keeps working on people to make them feel like, oh, I should never feel guilty for what I've done. 
Because he knows what the end result will be. He knows that that will get people to the place to where when you hear preaching or teaching that you are responsible for putting Jesus Christ on the cross and you are guilty of shedding innocent blood, you're going to sit there and it's going to like make your brain want to feel like it's exploding because you just can't stand to hear it. Well, that's the job of the devil. He wants to make sure that we don't feel any guilt whatsoever. He doesn't want us to feel pricked in our heart over our sin, which is what Acts chapter 2 and verse 36 and 37, if you read them, I said verse 36, but I think it's 36, 37. I'm going to turn there. I'm going to turn there because I want the exact uh, verses because I don't want somebody to say, well, I went over there and I didn't see it. Uh, you know, I, sometimes it's just so frustrating the way people behave. All right. Now, so Acts chapter, you say, well, I ain't never heard no preacher talk like you. You just, Well, I'm just going to tell it like it is. There ain't no sense of beating around the bush. This is God's whole word. We're going to tell it like it is. We're going to tell what God's word says. Now, so Acts chapter 2 and verse 36. Now, this is what was being said in verse 36 in chapter 2 of the book of Acts. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly. In other words, all of you. That God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. He said, you, you're responsible. You say, well, he was only talking about the house of Israel. Because those were the people he was talking to at that point. But as he began, God began to open up the doors to the Gentiles, because if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. That's just the way it is. Get over it and move on. Uh, the, the bottom line is, and I'm a Gentile, so I can say it like that. Just get over it and move on. You, if you're not a Jew, you're, you're, you're a Gentile. All right, so verse 37. Now when they heard this, when they heard this whole message, read the message that Peter spoke to them after the Holy Ghost fell. On the day of Pentecost, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, it talks about how the Holy Ghost fell. And then these people come running and listening, and then Peter begins to preach to them. He begins to preach to the crowd. In verse 14, you'll see that. And it says, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken unto my words. And then he begins to talk about this Holy Ghost and that it was prophesied about. But he begins to liken it and tell them, Look, this is the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what happened. Jesus was crucified. That's true. You're guilty of this. But the Lord has sent the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ to us. Hallelujah. Because He wants to be in us. Even the guilt of putting Him on the cross, the Lord is so loving. He said, look, I know you're guilty of putting me on the cross, but this has allowed me to come back and to uh, be that Holy Ghost that comes inside you, to, to live inside you, and to to uh, uh, help you to get through whatever it is you need to get through because that's what the Holy Ghost does. The Holy Ghost is a light to us to, to help us to see our way in the Word of God. The Holy Ghost is a strength to us and a joy to us and, and brings peace to us. There are so many things that the Holy Ghost does for us, including going to raise you up from the dead one day when the Lord calls you. That is, if you're saved. And so it says in verse 37, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts. And he and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what should we do? And they weren't pricked in, in their hearts. That means they felt guilt down inside of their soul. 
But see, the devil, he wants to keep working on people so that people don't feel no guilt. They don't feel no responsibility for anything that they do. That's the reason why you've got this nonsense that's going around when you've got, uh, you know, parents that try to tell their children, look, you, you need to straighten yourself up and get a job and do what you got to do and on and on. And then they'll, they'll sit there and they'll find people say, oh, that's just a toxic parent. I mean, it's just gone crazy. It's absolutely gone insane with the kind of stuff we're dealing with nowadays. But when you ain't got no no nothing inside you that you feel guilty for anything that you've done or said against God, then there's a problem. When you don't feel any guilt or responsibility because of certain actions you've done that may have led to other things, then there's a problem. And the problem is people don't want to be responsible for their part in certain things. Now, with all that said, I will say again, no, I do not think that the woman should have to spend time in jail like that man. Absolutely not. I think she's already in her own prison of guilt with maybe that situation that I've mentioned here. Or, you know, like so many other, if I would have taken a different route or if I wouldn't have... Uh, you know, maybe dri been driving a little slower if I would have been driving a little faster. You know, we all go through those things when we're struggling with the death of a loved one. I'm, I'm not here to try to make the woman feel worse. But but what, what I was doing was trying to make a point here. Look, and I knew it was going to stir some folks up. But we have to face the fact that we are responsible for our actions whether or not other people have their own issues and what they've got to deal with and what they've got to be responsible for, we still have to be responsible for ours and the parts that we play in things and what we do. We can't sit there and say that we ain't responsible. No, we are. And we are all, every last one of us, all 8 billion people that are alive right now on the face of this earth is responsible for shedding innocent blood by putting Jesus Christ on the cross because of our sin. We all are. But thank be to God. Hallelujah! Glory to God! He is such a loving and merciful and good and kind and long-suffering God that through his mercy and his love and his kindness, he would be willing to turn to us and say, look, yes, you put, Jesus say, you put me on the cross, but I love you anyhow. I want to save you. That's what the Lord says to us. And he means every bit of it. Jesus loves you and forgive you anything that you've said or done. No matter what guilt you've held. Give it to the Lord. Now, what I'm trying to do is get people to understand what the whole Word of God says. And one thing we got to learn is we've got to be responsible and let that, that guilt flow over our soul that we will turn and repent of our sins. But once we've turned and repented of our sins, you don't need to be holding that guilt no more. You hear? You, you don't need to be holding no guilt anymore. If you've repented of your sins, don't let the devil keep beating you down. Yeah, but if I... If, if it just, if I would have just did this, if I just would have did, I get that. But if you've asked the Lord to forgive you, listen, the Lord has forgiven you. And you've got to accept that forgiveness. 
And you know, I think a lot of times it's a hard thing people don't want to forgive themselves. And and maybe this mother, maybe she's having a hard time forgiving herself. We do have to look at our responsibility and things. But if if this mother ever gets to hear this podcast, listen, I, I want you to understand something. If you ask the Lord to forgive you, he certainly will. For, for your small part. Because the person that did the killing and the person that allowed his anger to become so out of control that he killed uh, your child, he has got to deal with that. And he's got it's got to be a life for a life. That's what the, the Word of God says. And so if that means spend the rest of life in jail or whatever the case may be, all that is figured out by the courts. But we sure enough shouldn't be just giving a slap on the wrist and spending a two or three days, I mean, not days, two or three years in jail. I don't agree with that at all. Not even five years ain't enough for the fact that that child lost his life and ain't never going to be able to grow up and be an adult and grow into old age. And so shame on the courts if you don't do what you're supposed to do to make sure it's a life for a life, just as God has said. Now, I know courts nowadays, they not, they don't, you know, people don't realize that the law that we have, that we live by, that is actually reflective of, of the law of God. I mean, people, you know, because uh, God said, thou shalt not kill. Well, we're not supposed to kill. Not even in our own, with our own laws and that kind of thing. Well, where do you think that come from? Oh, well, that's just natural. No, uh-uh. It's natural because God did what? He created us all in what? His image. So we naturally know. That's why we naturally know. It ain't just because you naturally know on your own. It's because you've been made in the image of God, and God says that ain't right. You see. And so with that said... I hope that some of you got all bent out of shape over what I said on Tuesday. And then some of you probably got bent out of shape even more today that you'll get over your bent out of shapeness and let Jesus shape you back in the direction and shape that you need to be. And I love y'all. I'm not, You know, I, I say that and I know people think I'm just full of hot air. I think that's what people think. They think that I don't mean that. But... Anybody that's around me, they know they they can tell. Now I told y'all when I preach, I tell it like it is. I am not going to sit there and not at all. I am not going to play around when it comes to talking about the Word of God. I'm going to tell it like it is. But when I leave this pulpit, whether it be on the podcast or whether it be uh, when we're preaching on the eunuch preacher. Um, you know, and we're going to have that on Saturday, the, tomorrow, and uh, download our uh, worship services and, and the preaching that goes on there. I, I preach with the fire that God put in my mouth. I teach with the fire that God put in my mouth. Now, of course, when I am out and about, I'm in my neighborhood, I'm around people and everything, I have a responsibility to show people the love of God. And I, I do that to such an extent that my son one day, you just, we've only lived here uh you know, in, in this particular small town here, we've only been back to Texas a little over three years or so or thereabouts, and um, not even that long in the, one of the suburbs of Houston. But um, he went with me 
a few times, and he noticed everywhere I went that I knew people, and he said, how do you do that? How is it that we've only looked, and, and you know people, and they are so friendly with you, and they, and they, you know, he, he was just, I said, first of all, I said, I know that they feel the Holy Ghost inside me. I said, because it's the Spirit of Jesus Christ that reaches out. God, I said, I ask the Lord every day to use my hands and feet and my mouth, my actions, my behavior in order to, to let people feel and see and know the love of God. And, and I mean that sincerely. And so when I go out and about, I, I talk to people and friendly with people. I mean, like today, I went, I went over to get my hair cut and, and the, the girl that was, uh, you know, been cutting my hair for quite a while. And she was, you know, sad to have to tell me that she was going to be moving. And she said, she said, you're one of the ones that I wanted to tell because we've always had just such a great time while she cut the hair and talking about different things and that. And I've been able to lead her uh, to a place of, of, of reaching out to the Lord and praying to the Lord because she used to talk to, uh, she used to get involved talking to spirits and all kind of things. And I began to witness to her and talk to her. And, and, and so even today, she said, I want to tell you, she said, I've been praying a lot more. And she said, I've been talking to the Lord. And and uh, and she said, and I just feel so much more at peace. And so that has been such a joy for me. But we're always uh, happy to see one another. You know, I'm happy to see her. I know she don't live, uh, you know, in the full manner that she needs to. But, there, you know, everybody starts somewhere. And you got to be willing to walk with people and, and guiding them and helping them. And not, uh, you know, I know some people, they hear my preaching and say, well, your preaching so overbearing. Well, I get that some people may feel that way when they hear me preaching and they hear me teaching. But when you get out and about and you're walking about, you're in your neighborhood, you're in the grocery stores and you're in the banks and all, and you begin to reach out to people and talk to people and show the love of God to people, they will respond back to you. And that's what happened. And my son was just, he said, how is it everywhere we go, you've got people that know you and they're happy to see you and they hug you. And I said, that's what the Lord does. I said, the Lord... He, he gives you this, and he knows uh, how I believe. I mean, my son lived in my house. He ought to know. He knows how, how strict that I have lived my life according to, uh, you know, the ways of the Lord. And I, I, I'm not saying I'm a perfect person. Absolutely not. I mean, I've made my mistakes, and I've, I've had to own up to those and all of that. But, it, you know, but I got a mind to live holy. I got a mind to live a life of, uh, of of holiness to God as he's called us to do and want to be separate from the world and all those things because that's what the Lord said to do. So I do my uh, best to do those things. But um, it always astounds him. Well, my daughter, uh, one of my daughters, uh, she had come out and spent this, some time this summer, well, a little bit, not very long, just a few days actually. And... Uh, we went to the store, and, and I was introducing her to a couple of the people there in the store because I was talking about my kids or my grandchild or something, you know. And uh, and the checker that I introduced my daughter to, she said, oh, I just love your dad. And she didn't mean that in an inappropriate way. She said, I just love you. And she goes, yeah, I know. Everybody loves my dad everywhere he goes. 
and that my kids see that and and listen i'm not i'm not saying that to to glorify myself i at all i don't mean that way what i'm trying to get across to you is that each and every one of us has a responsibility to stand for god and stand for his holiness i don't i don't bend in my walk with god when i'm around these people but I show them the love of God. I show them the kindness of the Lord, and they feel it. They really, you you know, you pray and ask God to lead you every day. He will do that. I'm not kidding. He will do that. He will literally use your hands and feet of love and mercy and kindness to, to reach to people, and they'll feel the presence of Jesus Christ. They will feel that. And so, you know, so I, I say all that because some people say, well, you're just a mean preacher. You're just, no, I'm not. I'm not being mean. I'm going to tell it like it is. I'm going to say the things that need to be said in order for people to face some of the things that they need to face. Because it's not a loving thing to be a false teacher and try to tell people, uh, you know, a bunch of mamby-pamby bunch of stuff that, uh, you know, doesn't make people uh, take a look at the inside of themselves. You know, just like myself. I mean, when I, when a preacher preaches, I'm going to tell you something. You preachers, if any of you are listening, you better be preaching to yourself before you get up in that pulpit. Whatever message that God has given you, it, it better run. Yeah, you better let that Holy Ghost run that message through your soul yourself before you get up in that pulpit and you preach that message God gave you. Amen. You better let that message get a hold of your heart too before you get up in that pulpit and preach to those people that God has put you as an under-shepherd. Oh, Lord Jesus, help us as ministers to be responsible to let the Holy Ghost deal with us before we go preaching something. Amen and hallelujah. Glory to God. It's the truth. You don't want some preacher get up, just make some message, and 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 and, and you know they ain't living anything like they preaching. They just preaching, and then you they go do whatever they, uh, you know, like that thing they use it. Oh, you do as I say, not as I do, kind of thing. No, it don't work that way. It does not work that way. What you preach, you better live. And if you don't, get out of the pulpit. Go find something else to do. Now, with that said, I won't tell y'all. The Lord loves you. But if you've got wishy-washy preachers that you're listening to, you got a pastor that's just a wishy-washy preacher, wishy-washy pastor, they don't never tell you about sin, don't never make you feel uh, that conviction over your over what you're doing, what you've been saying. You don't feel no conviction at all when they preach. Something ain't right. If all they got to preach is about, oh, you got power inside you. and I, I mean, I believe that when you got the Holy Ghost. But you ain't got no power in you if you ain't got the Holy Ghost. I heard some preacher got some message going on. I ain't going to mention his name, but he showed you like them $300,000 sports cars. Mm, just saying. And you always want to preach all these different things. Look, if you ain't got the Holy Ghost, you ain't got no power. You understand? You got to have that Holy Ghost power. That's what Jesus said. I, I'm just telling you what he said. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Oh, let's read it before we close. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Lord have mercy. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. 
My God, thank you for your word, and I pray, Lord, that people will listen to your word. Now, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus said, But ye shall receive power. You know what that word power, uh, uh, the Greek word power is? Dunamis. You know what dunamis, you know what, you know what English word that we get out of dunamis? Dynamite. And so the Lord said, but you shall receive dynamite power. Amen. And we're not talking about JJ on, on good times. We ain't talking about that. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost, after that the Holy Ghost, should I say it again? After that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. That's when you're going to get the power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. What else can Jesus say that it don't get through to your head? You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost. After that the Holy Ghost uh, comes upon you. That's not hard to understand. It's just hard to get through to some folks because they don't want to hear. Their ears are plugged up. Spiritually plugged up with a bunch of nonsense from preachers that are preaching things over the pulpit and they're not the truth. Telling people the Holy Ghost ain't being poured out no more ever since the, the apostles died. That's the biggest, fattest lie. Don't you know the devil wants that lie to be told? Oh, Lord have mercy. Don't you know all these Baptist churches go around telling people, oh, that Holy Ghost, there are people over there say they're speaking in tongues, and that ain't nothing, no how, that ain't even happening anymore. That is a lie. And that's a lie that Satan wants people to believe. All you Baptist preachers, that's what the devil wants you to believe. He wants you to believe that the Holy Ghost ain't being poured out no more. But i got news for you. You can't tell the folks over... How many millions of people that can sit there and tell you they've been baptized with the Holy Ghost? Why are they going to lie to you? Why lie about it? I'm not going to lie about it. I'm telling you that Holy Ghost is real. And it'll give you power like Jesus said. Amen. Now, Jesus said, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and unto Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. The whole earth. Amen. And so here we are. We're up here in Texas. We ain't over there in the east. We're here in Texas talking about this Holy Ghost. 2,000 years after it's been poured out, still talking about that Holy Ghost. Why? Because the Lord is still being merciful and he's being patient. And now there's 8 billion people on the earth and God's still trying to save folks. Because one of these days he's going to come back after that church. And that church is going to have to be... Uh, have have that power inside them to be lifted off this ground when that trumpet sounds. You ain't got that Holy Ghost in you. How are you going to have power? If he said that's the power you need, uh, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, then how how you going to get out? How you, how in the world are you gonna, your feet going to lift off that ground? And I know people will, they will literally, through all of their theology, did you hear what I said? All of their theological degrees, you're going to degree yourself right on out of the rapture is what you're going to do if you don't listen to this preacher. Now, you don't have to listen to me, but I mean, the preacher whose voice is going out telling you, I'm not the only one that preaches this. I'm not the only one that tells you the Holy Ghost is available and that the Holy Ghost is still being poured out. I'm just saying the preacher that's going to tell you that. 
whether it be me or somebody else. But look, it ain't like there's just one or two people like a bunch of deranged idiots. No, we're talking people that are saying, look, when I was baptized in that Holy Ghost, that Holy Ghost came over me and that Holy Ghost changed my life because that Holy Ghost is the Spirit of Jesus Christ. You say, I don't believe that. Oh, okay, well, let's... I know we said that Acts chapter 1 verse 8 was going to be the last verse, but let's go to Galatians. Huh? I'll prove my point right now. That's the Spirit of the Lord. Galatians. Huh? Let's go. Galatians chapter 4. Mm -hmm. Chapter 4. Oh, hallelujah. It says, verse 4, 5, and 6. Do you hear? Galatians chapter 4, verses 4, 5, and 6. It says, But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman made under the law. So now we know about that. In verse 5, To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. So now we've been adopted, we've been adopted by the Lord. He's come. We've accepted him. We're adopted by him. Those that have repented of their sins and accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, verse 6. And because you're sons. Because you're sons. Did you hear it now? Because you're sons. God has sent forth the spirit of his son. That word spirit is in a capital S. The word son is a capital S. It's talking about Jesus Christ. And the spirit, the capital S, is talking about the Holy Ghost. He said, because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his sons into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. That means that spirit of God is going to speak when that Holy Ghost comes upon you. Amen. Now, with all that said, I am looking forward to worshiping the Lord tomorrow. I am looking forward to all that God has got going on. Um, and uh, just remember these things today. There are some things that God hates. He hates a proud look. He hates a lying tongue. And he hates the shedding of innocent blood. Let's not forget those things. And so with that said, I love y'all. God bless you. May he keep you in his care. I'm out.